Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Cool fact, a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at uh1.com. If you are a long-term wrestling fan, you know you can never even get through a week before you get assaulted with some news. And this week, did we have some exciting stuff come down the pipe? Because not only is AEW Dynamite going to be moving to TBS in America soon, but they also revealed their brand new show, which is known as OEW Rampage. And I always want wrestling program to have over-the-top titles. It makes me feel all warm and fuzzy and happy down in my dum-dum. That is kicking off on Friday the 13th, 2021, which isn't even that far away. And I love all of this. I want every single wrestling company on the planet to just get bigger and bigger and bigger and attract more people, more people, more people. And this sounds like a pretty good way to do that. So, of course, it means there shall be more work for the finger of power. But do not worry about him because he cannot be stopped. And he's back in action right now because we did just have the latest episode of All Elite Wrestling's Dynamite. But does it get an up or does it get a down? I, Simon Miller, am about to find out. No, I know. But let's just get on with it. match of dynamite is swiftly becoming one of my favorite times of the week because it's never bad it is like pizza this one was especially good too because i think they had a ton of fans in the building and they were making so much noise and it just made me go how the hell did we ever cope without an audience it is the lifeblood of the industry and i know everybody says that but it's true it was christian cage taking on matt seidel and he's getting it up christian was going after matt seidel's back to begin with because he was all like <laughs> this guy loves to do high fly moves so i won't let him but he forgot how comfortable Seidel is in the air. So he climbed up to the top rope. This is me watching him in my mind's eye. And he gave Christian a pretty damn good meteora. It was like this puzzle sequence like it was from Professor Layton as they were both ducking and dodging each other's punches and kicks before Matt was able to hit a lariat and then hit the Bronco Buster for a near two. And the Bronco Buster always makes me laugh because this person thought, I'm going to take my groin and ram it into your face. I believe that can win me a wrestling match. Cage went for another backbreaker because he had decided, I'm never going to let you walk again. And then somehow Matt Seidel had him in a submission. But when Christian got out of that, he hit him with a spear. I was like, sheesh, this wasn't your typical AEW match. But that's why I enjoy it all the more. I want a little bit of everything. As we've already established, though, Seidel just loves to fly. And somebody sometimes needs to take him to one side and say, look, dude, sometimes you've got to do something else. Because he went for the shooting star press. He missed. Christian hit Hit the kill switch. One, two, three. That guy's winning streak continues. What a damn good wrestler he is. And that goes for Matt Seidel too. They shook hands afterwards to remind you that they are buddies. And I had a little bit of a tear in my eye. Nothing to do with that. Some dust had just got in there. And it just happened to happen at the same time. It did turn out that Christian has other friends as well. Which is always nice when you are a babyface. 
because as soon as this was done, out came Ricky Starks and got on a microphone and essentially said, Christian, I think you're a big bag of trash. And I can't wrestle you right now because I've got a bad neck, but I have another idea. Because at that moment, Team Taz jumped Christian and started beating the hell out of him when all of a sudden Hangman Page decided, well, I'm not going to let that go down. And he came out to make the save. And sure, you could say, oh my gosh, they're friends. But also, Hangman doesn't like Brian Cage. Brian Cage was there, so why not saunt out? try and punch him right in the face. It didn't really go very well because the numbers game caught up to him and the cowboy got powerbombed right in the middle of the ring. But here's what I need to happen. When I say need, I literally mean it. I need Christian Cage versus Hangman Adam Page versus Brian Cage. And I need it in a steel cage. And I need the name of the match to be a match for all ages. It's nice and simple. And when you do give me that, because I believe it will happen, I can lay down and do nothing for the rest of my life because I will have peaked. I do enjoy all these stories like crossing the streams, and I'm very intrigued to see where it's gonna go. Promo with the varsity blondes next, and unsurprisingly, Brian Pillman Jr. did not take very kindly to the fact the Young Bucks had brought up his dad. But honestly, this was the night for the varsity blondes. We will talk about it when we get to the main event, but surely now we have to consider them an established tag team. I'm excited about their future which makes me sound like I'm their dad or something. I didn't mean it like that. The point is, they had a great night. It was then the acclaimed versus Eddie Kingston and John Moxley. And let's be honest here, who even cares about the match? Let's just talk about the promos beforehand. Because Mox and Eddie were having a giant argument about when you do go to a super kick party, do you need to throw super kicks? And it was so absurd, it made me laugh. And then Max Caster came out and did his rap. And this boy weren't playing around. The only line you really need to know is when Caster said that Moxley's wife has been in my mentions hitting me up for some oral sessions. Now, obviously, he was talking about Renee Paquette's podcast, but honestly, no more comparisons to John Cena. This guy has made it his own, and Anthony Bowens, his tag team partner, well, together, they're just a really good team too. Shockingly, this wound John up so much that as soon as they both got in the ring, he started to beat them up, and then he put Max Caster in the corner and kind of just thumped him over and over in his jaw. And I was like, yeah, what were you expecting? Don't talk like that about other people's partners. Mox and Kingston then started to work really well as a team, and they needed that because they are kind of a fresh unit, and they're going to be taking on the Young Bucks at Double or Nothing, so here they were showing, well, we're more than just singles wrestlers, we know what they were doing. They were then cut off thanks to a dragon screw by Max Caster, but that just allowed the bad guys to have their time in the sun. They made sure to exchange tags and moves too to also say, hey, don't forget about us. And then when John Moxley got tagged back in there, this guy was just like, I'm going to murder you. I mean, he gave the pile driver to Max Caster and he was basically choking Anthony Bowens out on the apron. If we had found out afterwards they were dead, I'd be like, yeah, don't surprise me. I thought that was going to be the end, but it wasn't because the acclaimed were able to fight back. And at this stage, I was like, well, they're definitely going to lose. But much like a lot of people on this show, we're going to ensure they shine as much as they possibly can. They unfortunately did shoot themselves in the foot, though, when they tried to use the boombox because they threw it in the ring. But it just ended up in John Moxley's hand. He smashed Max Caster in the head. And this was the beginning of the end. Because he and Eddie hit this wheelbarrow paradigm shift thing, which I thought was kind of cool. And they got the one, two, three. And yes, later on the night, their match against the Young Bucks for the tag team titles was going to be made official. This was a great way to say, I think they deserve it. Do not sleep on the acclaim, though. I'm going to call it right now on May 20th, whatever the hell it is. They're going to be a big deal. 
up. We then zoomed to the back where we saw Chris Jericho talking to Dean Malenko, which I thought was nice. And Alex Marvez just snuck in here and he said, oh, Chris, what are you going to say to the pinnacle? And he's like, look, Alex, you're going to have to find out later. So just sit your ass down. He also made sure that Marvez knew that his main concern should be not making Malenko mad before they made a joke about the 1004 Holds WCW promo that Jericho basically cut 23 years ago. I really liked that. It made me feel like an established fan letting on the joke. AEW then kept it simple and they appealed to my inner child. Because Ethan Page and Scorpio Sky were out here and they're still just so mad about Sting and Darby Allen. And I wanted to go with them, dudes, you've just got to let it go. But they believe that Sting isn't half the man he used to be. And they also think they should get some credit for the fact that Darby Allen isn't the TNT champion anymore. Because the week before his match with Miro, they did chuck him down the stairs. And that's true, that's what they did. Rather than just have your normal verbal rebuttal though, we kept things nice and simple here. Because as soon as they had heard enough, out came Sting, out came Darby Allen, and they just started to whoop ass. The Stinger even got the Scorpion Deathlock on Sky as his son made sure Ethan Page couldn't get in there with his skateboard. And even after these two morons escarpered, the Dark Order were out to ensure they never came back. Or at least till next week. What really made me go nuts though is that double or nothing, we are getting Sting live. I don't mean that other guy, he's not gonna come out and do an acoustic set, but the first time since what, 2015, 2016, whenever the hell it was, we are going to get to see the icon wrestle. And look, he knows his limits, he knows what he can do and what he can't do, but look at me right now. I am so excited about this because I flipping love Sting and I wanna see this match. It's gonna be Sting and his son taking on Ethan Page and Scorpio Sky. Sign me up for that one or just let me pay money and watch it on pay-per-view. We then cut to the Pinnacle, who are in a restaurant. Although I always do enjoy different locations when it comes to my wrestling shows. They may have been quite upset too because Wardlow was drinking wine straight from the bottle and essentially MGF was done with Chris Jericho and his stupid jokes and Dax Harwood especially was. This group should be going after titles and once again, they just got a deal with the inner circle. Sean Spears then attacked a waiter because he's got serious issues as Tully Blanchard put a load of money down the table as if to say, well, that will cover it. And I really enjoyed that. It's okay to assault the staff, but we'll absolutely pay for our dinner. There are just some lines you don't cross. This was all mostly leading into what was going to happen later though. So we'll talk about it then. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Before we go any further, though, this show is sponsored by BetterHelp. Now, we all carry around different stresses. They can be 
big life worries or just, you know, little things like your favorite wrestler not being used properly. The thing is, when we keep them bottled up, it really can start to affect us negatively. Therapy is a safe space to get things off your chest and to figure out how to work through whatever is weighing you down. It is really helpful too for learning positive coping skills and how to set boundaries. Therapy basically empowers you to be the best version of yourself. So why not give better help a try. It's entirely online, designed to be convenient, flexible, and best of all, suited to your schedule. Get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit betterhelp.com slash whatculture today to get 10% off your first month. That's betterhelp, H-E-L-P.com slash whatculture. Sheeda then whooped Reba or Rebel or whatever the hell we're calling her, and I went good. Up. It was an obvious tie-in as the champ is taking on Britt Baker at the pay-per-view, so here she was taking on her best friend. But no matter what Reba slash Rebel tried to do, nothing would work. I mean, at one point she had the kendo stick and she talked her on the head and she was like, don't touch me with that, you moron. So she applied the stretch muffler. Reba slash Rebel tapped out. Nice and simple. Sheeda looks like a warrior. Baker zoomed in afterwards and mullered her, though, including giving her the curb stump on the title. And this is just a nice, easy, simple way to keep this feud going. Going. And when we do get to a week on Sunday, as I keep on saying, I know it's boring. Should Britt Baker become the new champion? The answer, look, we'll ask the finger of power, is yes. We then had more story bits on this dynamite, and I quite liked that because it did feel a little bit more heavy in their favour. But sometimes you've got to do it. So here we were with Orange Cassidy, Don Callis, and that damn Kenny Omega. They had paid a visit to the piece of fruit after what had happened last week, and they were trying to convince him to sign a contract that said. You don't have to be in the double or nothing main event. We'll take you out of it. But as this piece of paper says, later on down the line, when you are healed and you're a full circle again, you can have the world title match. This was obvious BS and Cassidy knew it, so he ripped it up. But Kenny Omega and Don Callis were not going to be deterred. From nowhere, they pulled out another deal. They were like, we thought this would happen. We understand it's a big deal. We're just going to leave it with you. And then they slowly snuck away. Now, this won't happen, of course. And we've already advertised, oh, next week on Dynamite, Orange Cassidy gives his decision. But it's just going to give him some extra seriousness to go, no, I won't do it. And I'm very excited about this triple threat match. I think, deep down, it's going to be pretty damn good. It was Inner Circle time next. And just take everything I have said about the Inner Circle and about the Pinnacle on this show, wrap it up in a ball, and give it up. We didn't do anything too crazy. And I still stand by the fact that I think it's a bit weird that we've done blood and guts and then we're going right into another stipulation match. But all you have to do is to get me excited. And now I am excited for this so everything is okay. Each member of the group took the microphone and said angry things about the pinnacle before Chris Jericho finished off by saying, look, I understand what's on the line here. I understood what was on the line at Blood and Guts. And there, MJF, you pushed me off the top of the cage and you scared me and you scared my wife and kids. You could have ended my career. The thought of revenge, though, and getting that little scallywag and ripping him apart was just too much. So Jericho said they did accept, which means that double or nothing, we're getting stadium stampede. And yet, if they lose... That's it for them. They don't think that is going to happen, though, because the go-home line was that essentially they will murder the pinnacle at the pay-per-view, and then they're going to piss on their graves. I mean, that is quite the stipulation. And look, that match is going to be good. It's probably going to be different from the last stadium stampede because it's going to be super duper serious. I just hope after the fact it spins off into individual feuds, 
I just think that's what the story needs. Jane Cargill was then cutting a promo when Mark Sterling, for the second time, approached her and said, look, I should be your manager, and this won't be a Team Taz situation. I mean, his head so far his own ass. He called his team Team Taz. This will be Team Jade. And he really ruined his moment because Jade was like, look, brah, you've just interrupted my promo. Anybody that was going to manage me would know never to do that. Go away. And also, who the hell are you? Now, I don't really know where this is going, but it doesn't matter. Because if you were flicking channels and you stumbled across Jade Cargill, the first thing your eyes and brains would tell you, who the hell is that person? They look like a damn superhero. So I'm intrigued to see what we do with this. Because really, if anyone doesn't need a manager on AEW is Jade Cargill. She really does look like she could handle herself. Serena Deeb then reminded us that she is a fantastic pro wrestler. She was taken on Red Velvet 2, who more than held her own. The NWA title was on the line. I had so much fun watching this, and it's getting up. And mostly this was about experience versus non-experience. And even though Red Velvet was finding ways to kind of get around Serena Deeb's offense, after she got annoyed with it, she just slammed Velvet with an uppercut, so I assume her and Cesaro share notes. Realizing she was gonna have to do something crazy, Red Velvet got Serena on the outside and then hit a moonsault off the apron. And even when they were back in the squared circle, they were trading near falls. I mean, the pace of this thing was pretty darn good. Red was too obsessed with trying to hit moonsault though, because then she tried another one from the top rope and she missed. And that's when Serena Deeb like pounced on her and applied that half Boston crab. Velvet reversed out of that though with the most devastating move in all of sports entertainment. It's a prize roll up, but Serena has too much knowledge for that and she was able to kick out. And then eventually she got back into that half Boston crab, which I think is called the Serenity Lock. And with nowhere else to go, Poor Red Velvet had to tap out. This was really, really good stuff though. So no more nonsense about AEW's women's division. And also Serena Deeb, and maybe I'm looking into it, kind of acted a little bit heelish towards the end of this. And somebody recently said, well, wouldn't it be a good idea if Serena Deeb joined the pinnacle? And now I'm thinking that would be a good idea. I mean, even her facial expressions proved it. So maybe we should do this. Either way, make sure you go and watch it. That's a top, top professional wrestling match. Pac then told us backstage that he was going to become the world champion at Double or Nothing. And there's nothing that these elitist pricks can do about it. I love Pac. He makes me happy. He makes me smile. He is flying that flag. And speaking of flags, that's the worst segue I will ever do. Out came Anthony Agogo. He was facing Austin Gunn, which made sense here, because of course Austin Gunn is part of the Nightmare family, which is ruled by Cody Rhodes. And I love this ship. I know some people don't, and that's your prerogative, but it ticks my box. Basically, even though Austin thought he was going to have a normal match, he wasn't thinking straight, because Anthony Agogo is a boxer, so he used his boxing skills to absolutely murk this fall. And this is what professional wrestling should be all about. Some people are high fires, some people are brawlers, some people are technicians. Or if you used to be a professional boxer, it stands to reason that when you got in a wrestling ring, you go, well, I'm going to use my fists. I mean, a go-go hit two pulverizing punches that caused Austin Gunn to bleed. And then he chucked him up in the air. He socked him right in the jaw. This poor fellow was essentially dead, so the ref was like, well, you can't fight a corpse, I'm calling it off. Agogo then threatened to spit on the US flag, which would not have gone down well, and instead just threw it in the direction of Cody Rhodes. And I know, yes, again, some people don't like this country versus country stuff, but it's fine. I mean, just go and look at Anthony Agogo on social media. 
That guy's having the time of his life and he is winding people up. Also, this story does end with a go-go wrecking Cody Rhodes so bad with his punches that Rhodes has to go away again that maybe, just maybe, we're on the verge of anointing a new star. Referees got in between the two so they didn't spark a massive brawl and I thought all of this was absolutely fabu and I'm giving it up. We then officially split up SCU so I think. Because we were in the back with Christopher Daniels and Kazarian. When Christopher Daniels asked, hey, you put up a really cryptic tweet. What does it mean? Are you actually going to retire? And Christopher Daniels just kind of like shook Kazarian's hand and he walked away. I mean, if he does decide to come back, the tag team is definitely done, especially because AEW so far has backed up their stipulations. And then we cut to Kazarian and he is not a happy dude. He said it's fine if Daniels does want to walk away because he's a big boy and can make his own decisions even though he would be emotional. But all he cares about right now is the elite because he's putting all the blame onto them, which he should. He feels like they ripped his heart right out so now he's going to get revenge. And kind of tying to what I said a few minutes ago, here's another narrative where you have multiple things happening at once and you could go in whatever direction you decide to go in. If somehow we get a TV match between Kazarian and Kenny Omega, am I going to be upset? The answer is no. Miro then made me laugh out loud. I mean, the lines that this guy is spitting out. I mean, for starters, he thanked Jesus Christ for giving him all the strength and the power in the world and the aggression to crush fools and said he feels so confident right now next week on Dynamite, he's putting his belt up for grabs, which was quite the surprise because earlier on in the day, it also been announced at Double or Nothing, we are getting Miro taken on Lance Archer. What a hoss fight. Lance Archer then walked out when he called Miro his Bulgarian bitch. This feud is now super duper. And Miro fired back with, oh yeah, well you're always saying everybody dies. But in this instance, the person that's going to die first is you. Who wants to marry Miro? Me too. The subplot here too is that Miro believes that Lance Archer just hides behind Jake Roberts all the time. And Jake Roberts then did stop Lance Archer going to the ring. So he does make a good point. But I cannot wait to see these two absolutely kick the crap out of each other at the pay-per-view. And right here, right now, this is the best version. Here he is in my hand of Miro slash Rusev, whatever you want to call him, ever. And it makes me so damn pleased. Again, before the end of 2021, give him all the belts. World, TNT, Women's Tag. Just make up a new championship and just say, hey, Miro, we're giving it to you. I love this man. All of this did mean that the Young Bucks versus the Varsity Blondes ended this week's episode of Dynamite. And good, the Tag Team Championships were on the line. That should always be your main event. There's nothing here. This was also utterly different to the usual match that Matt and Nick Jackson have. I really do think that they're one of the best tag teams ever. And the reason for this too is that they wanted to establish Brian Pillman Jr. and Griff Garrison as a credible unit, so they went out of their way to do so. As such, in the early going, there wasn't that much high flying as the challengers systematically took apart their champions, and Nick Jackson especially was bumping his ass off. It meant they came across like worthy number one contenders, although sadly it didn't last that long, because Brian Pillman went for a crossbody, he missed, because Matt Jackson got out of the way, and the Young Bucks basically started dancing in front of the cameras. They are such good dicks. Brian Jr. was able to make up for this, though, with another crossbody off the top. And that's when he hit the hot tag to Griff Garrison. And I tell you, Griff Garrison, my man, hope you're doing well. That dude knows how to run wild. I mean, he was hitting clotheslines. He was hitting double spears. He hit this crazy kind of a dive. And then the Varsity Blondes were going to do their double powerbomb thing. 
but they probably shouldn't have done that because it utterly failed and the Young Bucks were back. The Young Bucks then started booting Brian Pillman Jr. in the back and that looked like it absolutely stuck, but Pillman was still able to smash out a super kick for two, but what he didn't see was the blind tag to Matt Jackson. He got in there and he was able to apply the sharpshooter. It all then went crazy because Nick Jackson was running around spraying everybody in the face with that cold spray when eventually it wound up in Matt's hands and he went over to Julia Hart who is now with the Varsity Blondes and he sprayed her right in the face too. Now I do admit, would cold spray actually make you react like some people were here? Probably not, but look, it makes it so much more entertaining, and now I'm a little bit scared of cold spray. Because he was distracted by this, we then had this terrific near fall courtesy of Brian Pillman Jr. But long story short, he was put back in the sharpshooter. He didn't have any friends, because they were all blind, because they had cold spray in their vision boxes and he tapped out. At this point, I do want to tell you that when the Young Bucks came to the ring to start this, they were dressed like some kind of bosses from the game Final Fantasy. So somebody was going to have to come out there and give them their comeuppance. And of course, it was Eddie Kingston and John Moxley. And not only did they double choke out Matt and Nick Jackson, but when they were down, they took off their $10,000 shoes and they just ran off with them. And this was especially good because in the story, it has been established that for some reason, Eddie Kingston enjoys thieving other people's footwear. They are going to fight at the pay-per-view, and I tell you this, I have a sneaking suspicion that maybe Mox and Eddie are going to win. I know it's a long shot, but the idea has now lodged itself in my brain, so something about this build must be working. Which brought us to the end of another episode of AEW Dynamite, and I'll be honest with you, I would describe it as simple but effective. We just did the basic things right, but sometimes that's all you need is getting it up. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50 luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.